Welcome to this month's episode of the Doctors for the Environment Australia podcast, a podcast where we discuss topical issues related to the environment and health. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Our podcast is recorded all over Australia and so we take this opportunity to ask people to reflect on the country they live on and the special places they value. Okay, so, so Kaya, I've realised that now that we're both studying, we have nothing exciting happening in our lives. That is true. The most exciting thing that happens to me is that I drink fancy tea. Oh, look at you. What fancy tea are you drinking at the moment? Um, I think it's a chamomile with a bit of vanilla in it and then you just oh. mix a tiny bit of honey in. Oh. It's fantastic. I think you've got to get on board the fancy tea. It makes study life so much better. I am already on board the fancy tea because I, I quit coffee last year, which was a whole thing. Um, wow. Now I'm drinking some chai, which is absolutely delightful. Homemade? No. Do you make your own chai? Why you? When I was on renal, I used to make a thermos of chai and bring it in and share it for morning tea. It was so oh. good. That's amazing. Yeah. Like a, like a sticky one. I don't think it was super sticky, but it had all like the fresh spices in it and mm. I boiled it up on the stove in milk. So mm. it was really kind of like rich and so good. Mm, that sounds awesome. I know. What are, you, what, are you, what are you studying for? What are you doing this year? Oh, you know, just public health exams. Woohoo! That's exciting. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. To get us distracted even further from our studies, this episode of the podcast, we are talking about the anniversary of Doctors for the Environment Australia. It's the 20th year since it has been running. Um, and so we are celebrating by interviewing some prominent people in the organization, which is really exciting. Um, there's some people that I would love to see in person again when all of the COVID stuff settles down a little bit and we can have our glorious Doctors for the Environment Australia conference, IDEA, again. Um, but we will be interviewing today Dr. John van der Kallen, who is the National Chair of DEA and a rheumatologist, as well as Denise Kauke, who is the Executive Director of the organisation, and Georgia Brown, who is the National Student Chair. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So we've got a big range. So I think the thing is we have so much to talk about. So the DEA mission or vision is so general. It's about healthy planet, healthy people. And so achieving that vision, DEA just does so many different things. Um, we're going to hear from our special guests some of their like personal thoughts about the best achievements DEA has made, but also just talk about like really the huge amount of work the DEA members have put in over the past 20 years um, to really promote the field of environment and health, particularly climate change in Australia. Mm. So like where do you even begin with all the stuff that DEA does? Like yeah. Where would you start explaining it to someone? I guess I love Doctors for the Environment Australia because it you get to engage with your colleagues a lot, so other medical professionals and other healthcare workers, um, but you also get to talk to politicians and the media and your patients and just the community at large as well. Yeah, that's true. I think like DEA does a lot of community forums. Like I've, speak, I've um, spoke at community forums. Um, I know both of us have done a lot of writing, like comments and editorials for media, but DA also has 
such a strong cohort of people who do a huge amount of research um, mm. and put in submissions and produce reports, even peer-reviewed studies, and it makes a huge difference because other organisations, I think Denise can probably talk to this, um, other organisations can rely on us as an expert voice in this field in Australia. Mm, absolutely. And I guess the, like you were saying, it's a very diverse organisation and the topic of planetary health is huge and encompasses so much. And so there's focus on quite specific issues like climate change, but also biodiversity and air pollution and sustainable healthcare and diet and agriculture and divestment and energy. Um, so there's all sorts of bits and pieces always going on at the same time. Which is good because it's a volunteer organisation and then people can choose to be involved in the area that they have their own special interest in. Especially, I think it's something I really noticed this year, it's very flexible depending on what time you have available. So if you have lots of time, it might be sort of helping organise conferences or um, meeting with politicians or being really active within your state committee. And then other times, if you have lots of exams coming up, it might just be writing an article. A podcast. Or a podcast, indeed. Um, it's something or, for everyone. Indeed. Or just even being a member is a really fantastic thing, just giving the numbers for the organization, helping provide funding to so that we can keep on doing what we're doing. Absolutely. I think we're ready to invite our guests on now. I think so too. I'm so excited. So I thought maybe we could start with John, if you're happy. Are you happy to be first off the rank? Sure, I'm happy. No worries. <laughs> um, we have known each other for a while now within Doctors for the Environment. It's always an absolute delight to chat to you at conferences and hear what you've been up to. Um, but I don't think I have ever asked you what made you join DEA in the first place. Ah, yes. Well, I've been sort of passionate about the environment for a long time. And um, about six years ago, I got quite frustrated thinking, why is there not more a stronger medical voice in this whole debate about climate change? You know, this is all about our existence, our planet's existence, our own um, position in the world. And, um, you know, it is a major health problem. So um, I looked around um, and a friend of mine told me about Helen Redman, who'd been involved in Doctors for the Environment for many years. So I got into contact with Helen and she uh, was very keen to fill me in and, and I then became a member after that. Yeah, but I think it goes back to when I was even at school. We had a really great geography teacher who I'm sure wasn't <laughs> teaching the uh, curriculum and taught us all about uh, <laughs> the environment and climate change. So uh, it really sowed the seed at that stage. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah, I That's know. Fantastic. She was. She's great. <laughs> And what's your favourite experience being in Doctors for the Environment? Oh, well, it, there are so many, really. It's pretty difficult to pick one. Um, I mean, it's such a great bunch of people to be involved in. And, um, you know, the, the interactions that you have um, with people would not have been pos possible without being part of DEA. But I think that one of the real highlights was with the IDA conference that we had in Newcastle. And the opening event was at uh, the Town Hall. And... Um, we hired the town hall and had um, Bob Brown come and speak. Uh, and it was great that we pretty much had, I don't know, three quarters of the town hall full, I think. And we had the most fantastic uh, welcome to country that really set the pace for us, you know, focusing on the environment. 
Um, and at that time, there were an ongoing, I guess, is the issue around Pilago um, and the, the coal seam gas development there. So we really focused mm. on that. Um, and at the end of the evening, we all got up on stage and really there was too many people to fit on stage. And we pulled out the big banner, you know, save the Pilliger and got some yeah. fantastic photos. Yeah. They're really uh, brilliant yeah. photos, that one. It took up the whole stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was great. I think a lot of people, IDA is one of their main, like, positive experiences being part of DEA. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe we should hear from Georgia. Uh, Georgia, what made you join DEA? I actually found out about DEA before I was a medical student, and I am similar to John. I, I grew up uh, really attached to the natural world and, and was always really interested in the environment. And um, I remember being in high school and sitting on the school bus and reading an article about the Adani mine in the Great Barrier Reef and was mm. just so upset and distressed and I, it kind of really put into the forefront how important this issue is and how uh, I felt I needed to put my energy somewhere and do something tangible about it. Um, and I was at a uni open day, you know, one of the ones you go to in high school and they mm. had all the student clubs and Dogs the Environment Australia had a stall. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so cool. There's, there's a whole group of, you know, medical students and health professionals doing this stuff. That's super cool. Um, and then they told me I wasn't eligible. <laughs> so I had to sign up the following year as a medical student. And I've been a member ever since. So you've been a member for, are you four-year degree or? Uh, I'm a five-year undergraduate degree. Five year. And so you've been I've, a member for a while. Yeah, now. yeah. It's been about five years that I've been a member. Oh, that's great. And um, what's really been for you your favourite experience being part of DEA? Oh, there are so many. Um, you've got so many allies within your actual career field. That's quite unusual. And mm. especially with climate change, you, you kind of, a lot of the time you go through medical school thinking that nobody cares and there's nothing we can do. It's it's all too big and complex. And I think uh, DEA is really special because you can have those human relationships with people. And the fact that I'm a medical student and, you know, I can have a, a talk in the street with John and call John his first name and he's a, a specialist and a lecturer at our university. That's that's a very special thing. Um, IDA is phenomenal and having not just medical professionals and not just people talking about political jargon or you know, re renewable energy speak that kind of goes a bit over your head. There's people working on the ground and people from other disciplines sharing their expertise, having discussions, you know, talking at social events. That's a very... It, it's really empowering and it's it's so interesting because everyone kind of has their niche field and you've got that potential for a lot of intersector collaboration and chat with people from across Australia. Yeah, and I, I think it's just super cool that this organisation does a lot of grassroots activity and there is so much uh, local work being done, liaising with politicians and you know, having local events, doing national campaigns, it, it all ties into a bigger goal. And I think the, the overall scope of DEA is, is what keeps me involved overall. That's very inspiring. Mm. Fantastic. Um, shall we hear from Denise Kalki now, our executive director? What made you join DEA? Well, I couldn't stand climate change anymore. <laughs> and uh, I just had to do something about it full time. I Good answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent most of my working life and before that volunteering life in um, 
human rights and particularly, um, yeah, international development and human rights. And uh, increasingly, everything came down to climate change in one way or another. Mm. So I jumped ship and found DEA and thought... Welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm definitely the newcomer (laughs) of the group here. (laughs) I've been here now for 18 months. Yeah, it's it's been such a really wonderful experience getting to know everyone and and seeing you know how doctors' voices can really make a difference. I think it's a really mm. quite a it's quite an unusual message to be mm. communicating with the general public. Yeah, it is unique. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we are absolutely delighted to have you a part of Doctors for the Environment Australia. In the last 18 months, what has your favourite experience been? <laughs> well, those, those those 18 months were characterised by lockdown. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have to say my the most exciting experience was meeting a group of 30 DEA members face-to-face in February last year when we did a campaigning workshop. Yeah. But I think, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, what's... What's really exciting is just getting to work with such a passionate and um, exciting group of people, actually. Yeah, that's fantastic. And everyone has really specialised knowledge and they're able to bring that to DEA and, and that's, that's quite amazing, actually, mm. in an organisation, yeah. It's like there's 2,000 staff members. <laughs> that's pretty good, isn't it? Um, Denise, I guess I'm wondering, you've been here for 18 months, but you've seen the organisation through some pretty major changes. And I think a lot of those changes have taken place because there's long-term planning happening. And I was wondering if you would mind showing us what you think really the long-term vision is for the organisation. Yeah, I think the long-term vision is to see DEA be a whole lot bigger with a whole lot more doctors and students as members um, Mm. being a lot more vocal and a lot more impactful. I mean, the message that we've got or the messages that we've got are really, really powerful. We just now need to amplify them and get them out into, you know, day-to-day Australian life. I think the average person on the street needs to understand that climate change is a health issue and um, the vast majority don't, you know, that hasn't really that hasn't really clicked in yet. So mm. for DEA in five years' time, you know, if we if we could have, well, we, we want to get 5% of all Australia's doctors and 10% of all of Australia's medical students as our members. If we could do that and we had everyone powering on and um, talking about the health impacts of climate change and, and and the effects of the destruction of our natural environment, then we would be able to make an even bigger impact than we are now. That's a great target, Mm. isn't it? So we all need to get busy recruiting. Absolutely. And what are the other kinds of things that we might see more of, um, like in terms of campaigns or...? Yeah, so we have have always done campaigns in one form or another, um, but after the organisational review a few years ago, it was found that many of our members and many of our colleagues in other um, in other organisations were keen to see DEA do more campaigning. Uh, so this year we are doing some very um, specific campaigns in local communities. That's going to have a lot of support from the national office. 
I mean, these mm-hmm. campaigns in local communities are happening all the time anyway, but I think the, the way we do it is going to be a little bit different because there'll be a national approach to it while still keeping on what you know, the great work that everyone's been doing for sort of 20 years. So there will be more campaigning. Um, there will be more uh, work around the sustainable sustainability in the healthcare sector. That's a really, really big area that we're going to work in because you know the healthcare sector chugs out seven percent of Australia's emissions, and mm. we really need to change that. So, <laughs> so that's going to be one of the main focus areas um, this year and and in following years. Um, I might throw it to Georgia now. Where do you see DEA students heading in the coming years? That's a really good question. And I think I echo Denise in saying we have a lot of output already. And I think it's just about doing what we do but better and amplifying what mm. we're already doing. Um, DEA mm. students is quite interesting in the organisation because we do a lot of collaboration with the national activity that is happening um, and we have contacts on the ground as well. But we have such a big network of students and I think it's in the coming years it's going to be more about connecting students to each other and facilitating relationships between universities or between state groups um, and with doctor members and student members in the organisation to really make Mm. sure that students are feeling empowered and have the skills to, to do more work on the ground and have the support of the whole organisation behind student activity. Cool. Um, John, is there anything that you would like to add and how you'd like to see DEA evolve over the coming years? Oh, I think uh, Denise and uh, Georgia summarised it very well. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a really exciting time for DEA. It's really got mm. its structure in place. It's grown from, you know, the, the initial um, phases of the organisation um, and now has a structure where it can really expand and really maximise its message. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take very long when you just talk to other doctors and um, patients and, you know, general people that you come in touch with um, for climate um, and the environmental health uh, impacts to become topical. Um, you know, people talk about it very quickly and, you um, and DA, you know, doesn't have all the answers, of course, but has a lot of answers uh, and a lot of solutions. Mm. And mm. we've got a way out of our predicament, you know, and um, it's just a matter of getting people on board. Uh, perfectly positioned for it. It's really great. Would you be, because you've been involved with DEA for some time, would you be able to talk a little bit about how DEA came to be? Yeah, so um, I guess most people would have heard of David Sherman. He's one of the co-founders, and he started it with Tony McMichael. Um, and they were they were great friends, great friends. They spoke every day, and uh, they met in that, um, medical school in Adelaide when David came over from um, the UK. And um, Tony was a great epidemiologist um, and passionate about the environment. And David, in his um, humble way says he was falling behind uh, Tony uh, learning about the environment uh, and health impacts <laughs> but you know we all know that that's a major understatement <laughs> there yeah. was one um, so they had a great collaboration and um, and started the organization 20 years ago then the first sort of campaigns were always sort of focused on trying to increase the awareness amongst 
medical professionals about the health impacts of climate change and the environment. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it started with, with activities in South Australia, but obviously it's become much broader now. I love hearing the story about how DEA has grown or it's just it's nice to be a part of an organization where you can really see the growth that's occurred over the years and I agree it feels like a really exciting time to be a part of Doctors for the Environment at the moment um, Mm. with sort of the organizational changes and then also just the way that the world is currently there's a lot of people listening up and wanting to get involved so it's a very exciting time. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of um, other organisations, non-health organisations, mm. talking about the health impacts of climate change now. And I mean, DEA has played a big part in that, making that happen. Definitely. The more people that we have talking about it, the better. I think so. And it's so interesting when you're reflecting back on the successes of DEA. I think there have been obviously major successes related to specific, you know, submissions or know coal and gas issues but also there's just little achievements all along the way like all of the media that's been done just continually about lots of things related to climate change and health just really kind of sowing the seed that there's a relationship there I think now you know you see a lot more in the media about climate change and health I think in Australia DEA has definitely been a large part of that yeah and I think even recently in the last week when there's been a lot of media around you know, new coal mines in the Hunter Valley and the conflict between the coalition and the conservative parts of politics and, and Malcolm Turnbull saying that there should be a, a moratorium on new mines. And when they were talking about the pollution and the health impacts, it was uh, spokespeople for DEA that were quoted, you know, in the Herald. Um, you know, Ben Ewald, really fantastic. Nice to be in that position now. I, I love it when... I'm reading through some sort of media and there's just a, a mention of Doctors for the Environment in it. It's not that uncommon to see now. So. Mm, that's, right. that's awesome. Denise, I might ask you this question. Um, what do you think are some of the major achievements of Doctors for the Environment Australia? I think there have been successes um, in campaigns to stop coal-fired plants being established. I think John can probably tell us some about some of those. Um, mm. There have been a lot of reports that have been put out, which doesn't sort of, you know, they're not headline grabbing necessarily, but they provide the basis for other organisations to, to use that information. And it's, it's you know, evidence-based reports that people can rely on and know that it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's solid material that they can use. So I think that partly it's that slow plugging away. And so when something happens, it looks like it's happening quickly and comes out of the blue, but really it's built on years and years and years of, of sort of slow slog. I think what's exciting to see about DEA is the way membership is growing so quickly at the moment. And and so many people coming on board and, you know, that's both well for the future, but I think it's also a good sign of the reputation that DEA has been able to build over the years. And it's a very respected organisation, so people know that when we produce something, whether it's a report or a media release or, or you know, a fact sheet, that they know that it's reliable and, um, and credible. So to me, that's a you know that's a really really huge achievement. Mm, that's a fantastic summary of some of the stuff that DEA does. Um, John, do you want to talk about any specific campaigns? Um, I thought the um, campaign in Port Augusta to close the coal-fired power station there was really a great success. Um, mm. And again, talking to David Shearman, they 
organized one of the first community meetings um, and yeah. had uh, people from the Australia Institute and the local mayor and David Shearman spoke and, you know, it was one of the poorer areas in South Australia and had some of the worst health impacts uh, and that was all coming from the coal-fired power station. So mm. they got the community on board and the council on board and really the South Australian government didn't do much at all but they plugged away at it, plugged away at it and it was closed in 2016. Yeah, um, and now it's becoming yeah, one of the great thing. renewable energy stories in Australia. You know, it's um, yep. absolutely amazing. So that was a that's been a great achievement, I think. Georgia, do you have any specific achievements for the DEA students that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> I I could talk for days about what the students have been up to. Um, Please do. I think it's it's so important to acknowledge the success stories because, as Denise said. A lot of the stuff that DEA does isn't particularly sexy. It's it's a mm. lot of research. It's a lot of you know grunt work, policy. Yeah, talking to politicians, you know, putting out reports. But it's so so important, and it's really long term planning stuff, um, which makes it difficult to engage students with because it's hard to see how that has a long term impact. Really, because it's not that immediate and really personable work. But students have been really instrumental with quite a lot of the on-the-ground work that DEA does. Um, historically, students have worked more so in local groups and doing national activity um, that have played big roles in the, the local wins, you know, also doing the community consultation, doing webinars, raising awareness, in, um, raising awareness at medical school, putting out educational materials, having input into the reports and assisting with that research. I, I don't want to gloss over that. That's really important stuff that Mm. has really contributed to the longevity of the organization um i also want to just take a moment to celebrate that we have over 1000 student members now and students (laughs) that's so good and and students are the fastest growing membership category with dea so fast approaching 10 percent yeah yeah exactly even during lockdown when people can't really meet up as much that's that's it So, so the way we've been organizing has changed quite drastically over the past 12 months but just looking back on 20 years of an organisation, that's that's most of my lifetime. That's quite hard for me personally, at least, to understand and to know that that grassroots organising and climate justice has happened, both since, you know, the turn of the millennium when it definitely wasn't a mainstream conversation, but also that's, that's two decades. That's a long time to be doing extracurricular volunteer work on climate justice, especially when most of the organisation is made up of working professionals we're talking about practicing specialists and and Mm. the fact that that has continued for 20 years is pretty spectacular um and hopefully we see more student membership and we do hit that 10 percent mark pretty soon we're well on our way there and hopefully we have a return to -to face-to-face events this year i think that will be in itself a huge success if we can have face-to-face events again as, as we used to and, and continue the work that we've been doing. Yeah, that's great. Um, can I just add the one really major achievement that's kind of almost so obvious that, that we overlook it? Um, I think DEA was pretty much responsible for pioneering the field of climate and health in Australia. I mean, that's no small feat. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and the fact that planetary health and, and climate health is now a mainstream conversation, not a political football, I think is, is huge. And I think we've seen quite a big change in conversation over the last 12 months. 
and and probably just started that before then as well. But I think the pandemic has really put global health and environmental determinants of health on, on a more world stage. Well, I think a lot of DEA students have led that too in their own medical school curriculums. Like They've been drivers of that being included in the medical curriculum, which has been massive because it has a huge influence on our training doctors. Yeah, that's true. And also providing resources that are adjuncts to what we're already being taught as well. I could uh, add another achievement in there, I think. Please is, do. Uh, thank you. Which is... Um, <laughs> Outside the medical field is really with the with the legal side of things and the law. Um, mm. When you look at our involvement with the Rocky Hill case, and that was that mine that was near Gloucester that they were trying to open, which got defeated. We were involved very early on with the health impacts of an open cut coal mine next, you know, within a kilometre of a town. Um, so this actually raised the awareness in the town that this was a bad idea, and subsequently. Uh, went to the planning commission and got defeated, but then that got taken to court by the proponent mm. for the mine. So that went to the Land and Environment Court, and um, two of our DEA members in particular were heavily involved in that. They got interviewed by the uh, court. Uh, they were at the court at the final uh, announcement, um, and, in, and in conjunction with the environment defenders, that uh, mine... Um, the appeal against the mine got defeated. And the important part was that the climate change effects on the environment and on human health were part of the ruling in that uh, court case. So That's this, massive. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. So that became mm. law then that, um, mm. that climate change will affect the environment and our health. And I think that without the early DEA involvement in there, it, um, you know, Martin have got the same momentum within the community to try and stop that from happening. Fantastic example. How would you recommend, John, for people to get more involved with Doctors for the Environment? Or why should people get more involved with Doctors for the Environment? <laughs> Double prong question. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, you know, multiple levels of involvement and, you know, just being a member is a great thing. Um, mm. Just sort of getting newsletters and keeping up to date with what's happening is terrific, you know. Mm. Um, I think sometimes people worry about joining an organisation that's predominantly made of volunteers, thinking that they're going to have to do something in their free time. That's not necessarily the case at all. Um and just us having a number of members give us uh, more kudos and more uh, a, a louder voice. So that's fantastic. But then, you know, a lot of people have uh, specific interests, whether it is in air pollution or electric vehicles or, um, you know, diet and agriculture or the biodiversity and forestry, you know, and they can sort of join one of those groups and, and just, uh, you know, interact with like-minded people. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the the community is a really big part of it. For me as well, that's something I really love about Doctors for the Environment is particularly at the conferences, but also being able to do things like this podcast or just state meetings is talking to other people that care about similar things that you care about and working together with other people to achieve some change is really, really satisfying. Um, it's nice to have community. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's a great, great bunch of people. Absolutely. Does anyone else have any suggestions about how people can get involved? I'll jump in for any students listening in. Student membership is free. Please join. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy to sign up on DEA's website. 
Um, if you have any questions about the work that we do or how to get more involved besides just signing up to be a member, you can shoot us an email uh, or send us a message on our Facebook page. Excellent. Denise, do you have any final words? Yeah, as well. For any other people out there who are not yet members and who might be interested, please join us. You can be as involved or as not involved as you like. Uh, as John said, you know, being a member is is great in itself. There are campaigns you can get involved in. There are the special interest groups that John mentioned, the state committees. Each state has got a group of people that are really active uh, doing work in their local areas. There's sort of volunteering at the office if you've got a bit of extra time. So there's always plenty of things to do depending on how much time people have and what their particular interest areas are. And, uh, yeah, there's many, many opportunities to make a difference. Media, mm. doing media work. Yeah, it's really good. People can just get involved in the way that they want to yeah, as well. that's right. And in the area that they're what they want to and like John said there's definitely a special interest group or people who share your very peculiar obscure interest brilliant well thank you everyone so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast to celebrate doctors for the environment australia's 20th anniversary it's been a pleasure seeing you all i hope i get to see you in person sometime soon <laughs> maybe later this year and thanks for having us karen and kaya yeah thank yeah. you thank you